You know, you've heard of like Lewis and Clark, Mantle and Maris, uh, Penn and Teller, right? Great duos. Uh, even uh, for that matter, Eller and Page. Mr. Schwartz knows what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about Charles Walshine and Steve Schwartz. Lifelong friends and, uh, quite frankly, a tremendous positive to their lines of work. We welcome both uh, to the airwaves uh, right here on uh, LI News Radio. Charles and Steve, great to have you together here. Morning, Jay. Good morning. Good morning, Jay. Mr. Schwartz, how are you, sir? Always great to hear your voice, Jay. You're the man. Well, you know, it's good to have you guys. And I was thinking of you guys, uh, and that's why I wanted you both on, because, you know, you're, you're at the top of your fields and everything else. Uh, and, you know, I'll tell you this. Well, first off, let me ask, are you guys doing okay? You're feeling great and everything else? I'm good. Everybody's, uh, everybody's good. Nobody's sick. Nobody's, you know, we've been, we've been very careful. And by the way, we're not, uh, you know, I don't eat my dinner with a mask on either, so... I'm very lenient in my household these days. You know, the, the kids can walk around without the masks. I have no problem with that. Uh, even sitting down at the dinner table. And, uh, yes, uh, we can even play a, a, a couple of sets of tennis, if you know what I'm talking about, Steve Schwartz. And then everybody, you know, we're, we're, we comply as far as the balls itself, the tennis balls, that is. But that's all for a good time and everything else. you got to get out there and exercise a little bit. I want to get to Charles first because Charles, of course, Walshine Legal, one of the best in the business as far as the representation, a legal sense of those who have been certainly uh, stricken, so to say, with this pandemic in and around. And I read a number this morning, Charles, you know, regarding 4.1 million people have not paid their mortgages and everything else. And of course, we, you and I have spoken a couple of times on the topic of forbearance and everything else. You know, the fact of the matter is this is very real right now. You're feeling it. We speak all the time. And, uh, and quite frankly, you know, you got to get a sense of when the end is in sight. And as long as this thing is ongoing, it's tough times for a lot of folks right now regarding an economic sense. You know, it's, um, it's really, it's really, really rough because a lot of you got to understand this. Is the, the last crisis goes back now twelve years. It's it's like a lot of literally our twelve year anniversary of Lehman's collapse, and that's pretty much my uh, my ground zero for all that. A lot of people who have the ability to uh, to get back on their feet have gotten back on their feet, and there a lot of people are. You know, they modified their loans and they, you know, they've rebuilt their lives. Now this happens. I had a woman in my office literally yesterday. She's a, a real earner. She's a super professional, an MBA, works for a big corporation, making over $150,000 a year. And they furloughed her because they can't afford to pay for this, you know, area of the business. It's a matter of business survival and it's a big company. And she's like, like getting punched in the gut. She fights, fights, fights. She was in foreclosure. She got a new job, was doing great for three years. She's back, you know, and now that she's just starting the, the, the whole thing all over again, and she needs a forbearance, and her, and her bank wouldn't give her one. Um, it wasn't a bank, actually. It's one of these non-bank services. So we have a, we have a big problem. We, this, whatever you think the last one was, the next one is going to make, make 08, 09, 2010, Look like a Sunday picnic, um, but now, thank you know, thankfully we've discussed this. We have a lot of laws to help uh, consumers now that we didn't have before. The thinking in the courthouses 
has thankfully changed, and hopefully it's going to change some more to understand that foreclosure is not just a, uh, it's not a simple breach of contract action. It's a heavily regulated uh, business, banking, borrowing money on mortgages, and the banks have to follow these rules, and this is a wait and see. And I, I just, I'm really praying that there's a, that the consciousness about what's going on here is going to be raised tremendously because we're going to need, need a lot of help. Otherwise, our society, really middle class society, is going to cave in. And again, you know, you know, you look at this potential exception to the trend. Uh, you know, the segment of the market for loans backed by what Jenny May including Federal Housing Administration and Veterans Affairs type loans. We'll get into that in a second or so, Charles. Let's go over to the entrepreneur himself, Steve Schwartz. I tell you, Steve, you were on last time with me. Uh, such a great story and such great feedback regarding your dad. Uh, and then we talked about the nursing homes in general. And, of course, you know, the governor kind of reversed his stance regarding COVID uh uh, negatives now. You have to be COVID negative to be readmitted to a facility. Uh, and also, of course, now staff members have to be tested not once but twice. There's 300,000 testing kits uh, in and around now. So apparently he has seen the light of day now re regarding this whole thing. I'm talking about the directive. If you go back to March 25th of allowing, allowing COVID positives backing, back into those facilities. First off, Give us, uh, give us the update. Uh, how is your dad doing? Okay, my, my dad is doing a lot better, believe it or not. They're already talking about rehab. But this is a, you know, people think that this is, a, 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 you know, just a virus. I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some breaking news on your, on your, on your show today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know something. This is not a virus. This is beyond a virus. This is... They, they classified as coronavirus, but I believe that this, and, and again, this is done with me talking to some of the, some people in government and some people who are highly involved in the medical profession. This isn't acting like a virus. This is going in a lot of different ways. People are going to get fooled on this one. This is, this was not done by some guy somewhere in the middle of nowhere, you know, you know, barbecuing some, uh, you know, back Parmesan hero. And it got out of control, and it went all over the place. I believe this was a totally deliberate act, and I believe this is like like, like our version of World War Three. And I and I and I truly, truly do believe that it was after our economics. And and when you really think about it, what other time in the history of this of this country? Uh, I mean, that you'd have to go back to that we have been completely, completely floored on an economic standpoint. I mean, you know, you, you talk about, Charlie's talking about the middle class getting caved in. He, he's so right on this. It, it, there is, the squeeze hasn't even happened yet. But from, from the medical part all the way down, I don't even think we have control of this yet. I, I, I believe this was some sort of radiation uh, that, that if you just look at the medical part of it or radioactive, or, or like if they dropped a bomb in, 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 in Manhattan, okay, you'd have all kinds of residual effects. And, and, it's, and, and, and I'm not a scientist. My science goes back to uh, Reynolds Junior High School in Brooklyn, seventh grade. Uh, I think, Charlie, you remember this, the uh, Coca-Cola's class in science where we're mixing. So I'm not a scientist, but I'm a realist. And my real feeling is that we haven't even touched the surface of this, and it's going to take 
years for the real story to come out. And what do we do between then and then? Because a lot of these stories and a lot of these people's medical issues, in my opinion, are going to change as this goes on, because I think we're far from being done with this completely. And this might be a form of a virus, but I'm telling you this was a deliberate act for, for, for many reasons, whether or not you want to use any country that you want to use. There's a lot of people that hate us out there that love what's going on with us right now, even if they had to sacrifice their own people in order to get to us. So at the end of the day, from an economic standpoint, we haven't even, like Charlie said, we, we, it's going to be so bad, foreclosures, all this stuff. How about commercial real estate in Manhattan? It's, it, it's, going to be, it's going to be like you've never seen before, the run out the door. So our issues are huge. What do we do? How do we get them back? Believe it or not, it's going to be the middle class that does bring us back. Because those are the guys that are going to have to make a decision on whether or not do I get paid to support and feed my family or do I worry about the health issues. And my last thought on this is there was a baseball player who came out and said, hey, I'm not playing. He wrote a whole whole thing on this. Uh, and, and, and he was afraid not so much of what's happening today. He was more concerned about what's going to happen you know, a year from now, two years from now, how is this going to affect the person who had coronavirus and who thinks that their antibodies are making them safe? But in reality, there might be a, another residual effect on the second layer that you think you're safe because you had it one time. But you know what? No one's proven that. It, no one said that. But you're right. In a regular virus, they would come out and say, hey, you know what? You had it. You're good. Good to go. I have no comfort in that. No one's come out and told me that yet. And, and all we're doing is we are being lied to. The unknown is the scary part. And by the way, Schwartz, if anybody's going to be controversial on this program, it's yours truly. So in essence, what you're telling all of us is your belief is that this was manufactured in some laboratory. That's what you're saying, even though even though. Scientists from all over who have studied this, and I'm talking about studied the, studied the viruses uh, of the past and everything else, clearly shows talking SARS and MERS and everything else known to mankind. HQU1, 229E, these are kind of numbers for these important viruses from way back. Even though they say no, you're telling us right now that you believe that this thing was manufactured by man in a lab Somewhere in China. That's what you're saying? I'm giving you the Joe Namath guarantee. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. It's going to take time. There's going to be movies made about this. When we get, finally get the truth and we get this under control, it is going to be mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Because there is no way, no way that this is not manufactured. And now you're seeing it. You're seeing it. You know, you know God forbid, you know, you know, in the children. How, how these kids are, are, are acting in certain ways, how their bodies, just from a science point, are basically hitting their, their weak, again, their weakest spots, and they're blowing. It's almost, like, it's almost like some of the kids that have suffered through this, it, 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 it's not a virus. It's a form of a virus, but it's beyond a virus, and it is manufactured. Joe Namath guarantee. You got it. I guarantee well, you. Please, I'll tell you one thing. As far as the baseball stuff is concerned, you know, listen, 
uh, with all the rules and everything else that they're going to have to adjust with. I don't even know if you call it baseball anymore. I mean, quite frankly, you can't pump you can't pump sunflower seeds out of your mouth. Uh-uh. You know what? Wait till next season. <laughs> Talking with Charles Walshine, Steve Schwartz. By the way, lifelong friends. And I found that out. I had them on individually. I said, you know what? You guys come on together. Lifelong friends, folks. And uh, at the top of their fields, Charles, of course, Walshine Legal. Uh, phenomenal job. Great information. Uh, he's had on our program uh, regarding uh, homeowners and forbearance and everything else. And, of course, Steve Schwartz, entrepreneur, world of business and everything else, top of his game. Charles, let me go back to you. So, you know, I brought up a little bit regarding Ginny May and FHAs and VA loans and everything else. And I was reading something where I think it was more than 11% of the Ginny May loans are in forbearance because of the outbreak. And, you know, these these loans we all know go to borrowers who are kind of first-time homeowners, weaker credit, people who could be more exposed to the economic downturn that this pandemic has caused. Where do they go from here? I mean, where do they go from here? Where do they find a little bit of hope? There's a lot of fear out there. Both ends, I would think, lenders and, and homeowners. Is there a happy median as far as where this will pan out, in your opinion? You know, the normal default rate for, uh, for all these loans is somewhere between 1% and 2%. That's a historical norm. Anything above that is caused by something artificial in the market, like a severe downturn in the economy. And when you have this, like it's a, this is a spike because if you go back to like, let's say February when there were like a normal rate of defaults and then you come to May where it spiked to four, four plus million people, you know that there's something wrong. Government's got to step in here. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this is that you cannot under any circumstances trust the banks to work, you know, to be like, oh yeah, we want to take your money and, no, we're going to make everything normal again. You can't trust them to do that. I'll tell you right now that the reasons we have these laws that have passed the past literally in the preceding three, four years is because they just don't play fair. And if, believe it or not, they make way more money than when it, than when it pays on time. I know it's like sort of counterintuitive, but that is a fact, and I can show that to anybody. It's just the way it is. So they do much better when you're not paying than when you do. Except now, they don't want to give you a forbearance program because they can't afford to. And that's, you know, the, the thing that I said, you know, that I wrote, uh, it's getting published in the second quarter um, next month. It's, uh, it's, it's a long article about, you know, the mechanics of, of how these forbearances work and who's got to pay for what and, you know, these government guaranteed loans and well, how well that works. But it's pretty complicated. But, it, you know, I'm stating a fact here. I'm not going to get into it, you know, the whole explanation, but the government's going to have to step in and make sure that the process of unwinding this thing is managed by the court system. And I'll tell you that, uh, you know, the two courts that I practice in most, Nassau and Suffolk, have top-notch uh, leadership. You know, you spoke to Judge, uh, to Judge Henricks, and he really knows what's going on. He knows the school. And he has a, a background in criminal, um, you know, criminal prosecution, and he's now the chief judge of... The, you know, the entire court system. And he, he, his rules, uh, he sets up the, uh, the, for, the foreclosure program and how that's run. And it's pretty much, you know, co- according to state, statewide guidelines, he does a great job. And those guys down there do the, do a great job. And Nassau County, um, Judge, uh, Judge Adams, uh, runs, run, ran that thing for years. And, uh, Judge Lally, she's a retired, 
uh, a retired Supreme Court judge. She runs the program down in the basement of the courthouse. You really get a fair shake. And it's like, uh, it's a hats off because this stuff is so complicated. You're taking people who really knew nothing about this before the crisis because there was nothing to know. This is all brand new stuff. No, I mean this crisis, I mean the last crisis. And they've literally made themselves experts. Like in a matter of a couple of years, which is to me, and this is like, this is all I do, right? This is, this is all, this is the only kind of law pretty much I do is banking, commercial stuff. And you're talking about judges that have, you know, have to deal with divorces and breach of contract and land rights and personal injury and a whole broad spectrum. So you really have, you know, to hats off to them because that's, that's where the rubber's going to meet the road because these people are all going to end up in court one day and the court's going to have to unwind it in a way that preserves home ownership because that is, you know, that's the bedrock of our society is having, a, is having a vested interest in our country, right? Because when you own something, you have a vested interest in the, in the law and the government that preserves your, your right to own property. And as long as we have that, our country's safe. You start throwing people out of their homes, it, you know, we're looking at a disaster. I mean, a bigger disaster than just homeless people. I'm talking about people that are like, that are, had, had something one day and they feel like the government's betraying them. Even though the, I don't think, like, I don't think our government created this virus to hurt anyone, but certainly the way our entire capital markets and the way our, our financial system works, it's heavily skewed to the banks. And it should be because they're the ones who distribute money, right? But if you're uh, on the to other me, hand, without the consumer, you can't. You're not going to have banks, right? Charles, I mean, either way, the outlook for homeowners probably will depend on their ability to bounce back in some way, particularly for those who have lost their jobs. So, you know, we got to keep an eye on that. It's going to be very important. Steve, let me get back to you a second because I know with everything that you do in the world of business on top of your game, you're a big sports guy. And, of course, you know, right now you got baseball back and forth. Players already turned down the 50-50 revenue split. We've got all kinds of new rules in there, masks, you know, for managers and coaches, no high fives, no passing the ball around the infield. You, I don't even think you can rub up the baseball at this point in time. Listen, I, I can live with it, but the one thing I can't live with, sir, is the battle back and forth of how to split the dollars at this point in time. I got no use for anybody telling me, including Mr. Snell down in Tampa Bay, you know what? I'm making seven million. I'm down to four million, and quite frankly, that ain't going to cut it. I think every American would agree, most of them at least, that you know what? There's no time for that nonsense right now. Dollars and cents. Get back on the field and play some baseball for us. We need it. What about that aspect? Well, you're 100 percent right. I mean, uh, America really uh, wants our sports back, but we don't want our um, our uh, great people that we look up to as athletes, okay, to think that they're not uh, human and not people and not and not and not understanding that there are a lot more people that are suffering and and a lot more people that can't even go to their jobs. I mean, you can't even go to what they do, you know. And here they are; they're in a position that, let's face it, being a, being a baseball player is 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 probably the, one of the greatest jobs in the world. I mean, honestly, forget about. I, I mean, I would be a baseball player and, and not even get paid just to be able to, you know, walk on the field. You know, but the, the reality is 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 that they do have families, but but we can't relate to what they're doing. So if if they could 
just in their understanding of what's going on, they're there to entertain. They're there. They, 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 they should take their money honestly and 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 and, and give it towards uh, uh, all kinds of charities and all kinds of things. And a lot of guys have, and a lot of guys do have families, and a lot of guys do have big homes. That sometimes when you have a big house. You need the money, you know, because you're living a certain lifestyle, and you don't want to go back. So it's really like, a, like, 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 like from the baseball point of view and the players' point of view, they're in no man's land because they're, they're, they're just like us, just on a different level. But we can't relate to it. So, and they can embarrass their reputation, but we don't give a damn about their reputations right now. We just want to be entertained. We want baseball. We want high fives. We want you know, uh, watching uh, sunflower seeds fly. We want to get that feeling back, and and they and and the owners and the players have to do this in a classy, respectful way, where they don't make Mister and Mrs. Front Porch, who love baseball, okay, get so turned off by what they're doing that that you know what? It's more important that they have food on the table and and, and everything else. Hey, can I ask a question? Can I just the idea, the one more thing, Charlie. Yeah. The last, the last idea about the, the, the idea of, of doing sports and making it all back. I have told my family to stay productive, and for once, everybody has been productive in my house. I don't care what you do; you stay productive. You want to clean out a closet? Go clean out a closet. You want to go run ten miles? Go run ten miles. You know what? I think that people have learned that they're more important than a baseball game. We love baseball, but it's more important as a society and as humanity is that whatever we do in life that we enjoy doing, it's, it's, it's all good. A lot of people won't even turn on the baseball game. You know why? Because they're very into themselves now, which is a very healthy thing to be, by the way. Because sports in this country, before this virus, it, we were turned off by, by, by all the astronomical prices that you have to pay. You know, you go to a, a Nick game, you take a family of four or five people, you're in for 2000 bucks. you know? I mean, it was crazy. It was so outrageous, the idea of sports and money in this country, that we forgot about ourselves. What about you? I'd rather watch my kids go play in a peewee baseball game, honestly, than go, 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 go and spend a zillion dollars to support these guys. Really? Do I love baseball? Yes. But you know what? If, if coronavirus, or whatever virus you want to call it, it teaches you anything, is to love yourself and make yourself number one. Uh, listen, I, that, I think it's a, you know, it's a great, great statement. Go ahead, Charles. Because, you know, Steve and I used to go to ball games, and, and uh, we remember when, you could go to Shea. We used to cut out of school and go to go to Shea Stadium. We were in there sitting anywhere we wanted, you know, for ten bucks. And you know, hot dog was two dollars. I mean, we were in for twenty five dollars each, and you could have the time of your life. Of course, you know, if you know, we went to Shea, we were probably watching a losing game. But at that at that time, um, we had a blast. That's not that is not on in the cards anymore, even without the virus, because you're thinking about the money that you're spending. To actually be at the game, and I'm with I'm with Steve. I would much I would much rather watch my kid play uh, play softball or basketball or something like that because it's just, I'm participating. I'm participating. I'm participating in his life. This is I really and the truth is I really don't care about the baseball players much. I like the game. 
Um, but if they're going to play without a crowd, I mean, that's I, I, I like the crowd. I like the crowd more than I like the players. I mean, imagine playing ball without without uh, you know in the Mets case, and, I, and I'm a long time suffering Mets fan. Without you know three or four thousand people in the in the crowd making tons of noise. Imagine that it's going to be impossible. And it's hey, the same, thing with, same thing with basketball. Like there's going to be no. They're going to play a game and nobody's going to be there. Jay, well, listen, sorry, I can live with sorry, it. Sorry, right on. What think, Jay? Bang for your buck. Yeah, Bang for your buck, Jay. It's all about. It's all about. It's all about that. And the reason why we loved it so much is, that, and I'm sure the people that talk about going to the polo grounds for two dollars, you go in there and you'd have the time of your life. Because it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about. It was about outright enjoyment. So for ten bucks, Charlie's right. We we would have run to the whole place. And by the way, in the eighties. There was nobody, before they got really, really good, the late 70s, early 80s, we had run of the whole ballpark. There was no one there. We would sit front row, put your feet up right on the dugout. You're right. And, I, and I'm there for 10 bucks. Listen, I remember the days like yesterday. We was going to Shea Stadium for five bucks, general mission. Five bucks, general mission. Me and my pals, we yeah. go in there, and then we go right down. Right? No, no one would care. No one would no be guarding the entrances. No you know, you no. they guard the yeah, entrances. No one would care. We'd sit four rows behind the dugout. I mean, how great was that? All without big yeah, gold gloves and hats. Down now, they give you a firing squad. Now, <laughs> <laughs> forget yeah, it. If you don't show your ticket, God forbid you're carrying a couple of hot dogs and, and chicken fingers, and you're trying to get in your seat, and you, they want to see your ticket. What are you supposed to do? Give the guy your your, your hot dogs here. Let me let me reach and you know, now it's now it's the firing squad. Yeah, if you if you God forbid you sit in the wrong seat, my goodness, how things have changed. Uh, guys, let's do this again. Good stuff today. Good uh, good situations in and around as far as your outlooks and everything. And uh, look forward to the next time. How's it? Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Charles. Thanks again, my friend. See you soon, man. Bye bye.